When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kyle Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. In a minute, oh, by the way, on ESPN.com on Friday, my story on inside the hiring of Dan Quinn will be up there. Just going to, it really kind of goes into detail as to why they really like Dan Quinn. And I know there's all these narratives about other coaches. I think a lot of those narratives weren't as firm as they thought they were as people thought they were, or maybe people reporting them in some cases thought they were. But regardless, they always like Dan Quinn. You always have to know that. And maybe you don't care about that by now, but wanted to go inside that a little bit, talking to people who were involved directly in the situation. So that'll be up on Friday. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by new linebackers coach, Ken Norton Jr. Had a chance to talk to him by myself for about five minutes or so at the open availability on Wednesday with all the assistant coaches. So I wanted to go over like what he looks for in a linebacker, how you go about developing them. He's worked with some really good ones. He was a really good one. He's worked with some really good ones throughout his career. And I also wanted to get his thoughts on Jamin Davis. And I will say, I think he likes him quite a bit. Now, how that plays out, we'll see. And I'll get to a little bit more of that in a minute. Now, before I go there, I do want to start off with quarterbacks because why not? We're going to be talking about them till eternity, folks, until this team gets it solved. And even if they get it solved, they're going to be so excited. We're going to keep talking about it all the time. So there you go. But some of this stuff, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I know there's some people who say trade back, get more picks, keep building, build the offensive line. There are a lot of ways to build the offensive line. So let's play this out, though. Let's say you wanted to trade back. What would that look like? And I don't think they're going to trade back and build around Sam Howell. I just don't think that's a realistic scenario for them. I think if they traded back, it would be getting a veteran in here, quarterback. And I'm just, I always throw out a Kirk Cousins as the placeholder for that, that title, the guy that, because we know he's a free agent. And I know, you know, listen, I really believe and feel safe in saying this, that he would come back here. Now that's a whole story. That's another topic for another time. Just a placeholder in this exercise to say, how is it that they would trade back? Well, I think if they went out and signed a veteran free agent, and then you take some of the, then you trade back, take some of that capital, maybe move up in the first round. Maybe you drafted JJ McCarthy, someone else you want to develop, or maybe you think in a couple of years, how could be that guy? But I don't think you're going to trade back and just build around Sam Howell now. So here's the thing. Would you, you know, people who say trade back because number two picks, not a guarantee. Well, what guarantee is there that Sam Howell is going to develop into the kind of guy who has who can be what you need him to be? There's no guarantee of that either. Just because he has a year experience doesn't take you there. So you have to keep that in mind. Like, you know, just the number two pick isn't a guarantee. 
nor is it a guarantee to, to trade back and build around Sam Howell. So you got to take the guy that you think is the best that fits your needs in this situation. That, of course, would be staying at number two and choosing between Drake May or Jaden Daniels. I think the other thing is, you know, if you tra- let's say again, let's say you traded back. Let's say Atlanta wants to trade up and they're picking at number eight. They're one of the teams in the top 10 that could use a quarterback. Giants could maybe want one, should take one, but I don't know that you trade, you know, to, with, this, with the team in the division to go there. I don't know that that would happen, but let's say the Falcons, because we know they need one. And so let's say you do, you get a couple number, you get a few second round picks, probably a future one. And I think that would be, a, to me, the absolute must in any scenario. If you trade back, you've got to get a future one. But so here's the other, here's the other couple things to consider with that. One, again, the guys at two have a higher ceiling than what Sam Howe would project to at this point, right? So that's, you're going to start there for them. And the, you know, and I always stress this, this staff, this coach, this head coach, this GM, this owner did not draft Howe. So they're not tethered to him. And I think you always have to keep that in mind. But then also, let's say you did trade. So you trade with Atlanta, you get the, you, let's say you get a future one. Well, if you, in my scenario, which is where, which is that you go out and sign a guy, let's say, again, let's say it's a cousins type quarterback, right? Guy who can play at a certain level that gets you to have, make, helps you have a better year than you expecting eight or nine wins. Well, now you're picking around what 20, let's say the Falcons get their quarterback. They have a good roster. And I think Raheem Morse will do a good job. Let's say they win nine, 10 games. But now those two first round picks you have next year are lower, right? So it's not like you're going to get a, a high pick. So can you really move up in the draft and be aggressive the way you want in that scenario, if that's what you would desire? The other factor is when you look at this class, how does it compare on paper right now to the 2025 group? I think that's part of the equation as well. Somebody always emerges. But as of right now, the 25 class is not considered a really strong one. Does it end up that way? I don't know. Maybe this draft, maybe this class isn't going to be quite as good as people think either. But this, the position always pushes these guys up, especially if you don't have a guy at that spot. So is it is is this one of the best ever? No. But you have a couple guys, you have a few guys who are capable of being, you know, have pretty good ceilings to play in this league, right? They all going to have flaws. We can all pick them apart. Each one of them has a flaw, but I think they all can get somewhere, get to a point that is, is in a pretty good spot. That's why you're going to take that chance on them. Whether it works out, there's no guarantee, but again, there's no guarantee that if you, if you trade back and build around, let's say Sam Howell, that he's going to develop to what you need. I think what, what you, sometimes with that second pick, what you have to ask yourself, what would you, what, what's the worst situation? Would you rather trade back and watch one of these guys develop and flourish and you're still looking for one? Or would you rather draft one and then find out that maybe he's not as good? But in the meantime, you can keep in that scenario, you can still keep developing Sam Howell and you can still build around the offensive line and you can still find those guys in second round. You can find some in free agency. You can still do all that. That's why I think it makes just sense to stay there and take the guy. Um, and, you know, when you look at the offensive line, the, the, some of the things that can help him is just coaching and it's scheme. It wasn't, it wasn't just that the old line was, oh my God, they couldn't do anything. The scheme didn't help. The coaching didn't help. So if that's improved, then that can help. And I think that's, that will help a rookie quarterback. So, you know, will it be perfect? No, but it, and you can, st- but again, you can build, 
around them. You don't get just one pick in the draft. You have multiple picks, plus you have free agency. Keep that in mind. Anyway, just wanted to get through that. Now, the other part is uh, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network did a conference call with the media on Thursday. And I just want to kind of go over it because he picked, he had Drake May going to Washington at number two in his mock. I think all these mocks are going to be all over the place. Some are going to say Jaden Daniels. Some are going to say Drake May. But I was curious for, for Jeremiah why he put May there. And part of it was, I mean, he was asked, too, about Kingsbury's offense. Well, all three of the guys at the top of the draft fit this offense. And really, a lot of it, I'm going to talk about this later another time. But one of the things that's key in this offense is that you have to be accurate and you have to be a pretty a good, quick decision maker. and so it's not just, oh, how mobile is the guy? Those traces of pass are going to matter. So in this offense, I think, and he said, and I agree, that all three quarterbacks can be a fit in this offense. The reason why he liked May more is because he felt he had prototypical size playing in a rugged division. I think also the weather up in the Northeast in the wintertime, or as we get toward the end of the season, and having a guy who can cut, whose throws can cut through some of that wind, I think that also helps as well. Um, and then he was also asked about some of the other traits for, for, for May. And he said that one of the things he knows, he's talked to his quarterbacks coach um, that he works with and said that he knows that they've been working that, that May has had kind of like an elongated delivery at times. That's one of the things they're working on. It's one of the things that Jeremiah is looking to see how that unfolds at, whether at the combine, which I don't think he's going to throw or at his pro day um, in, in the spring. So that's something else. And then I think also what he's looking to, forward to hearing, as am I, is when he gets in front of the board or in front of the teams, how he interviews and how he explains some of the pressure situations. Because there were a lot, there were, he faced a lot of pressure with that offensive line last year. And, you know, why is that? And what could he have done to help the situation, if anything? Because even as, as Jeremiah said, either times you're watching it and he stopped the tape, it's like, where can he go with the ball? in this situation. So what could he have done to help the situation? Because you don't want to just hear like, Oh, well, it was a tackle's fault. It was a scheme's fault. You want to hear from the quarterback. What could you have done better to handle that? They'll know by watching the film. Okay. There's not much a guy could have done here, but you also don't want to sit there and you don't want to have a guy who's going to say, well, left guard sucks. So that's why it happened or whatever, you know, or the scheme wasn't good. Like just say, you take your responsibility. This is what I could have done on this play to handle it better. And then finally, um, somebody asked him, like, hey, talk, basically, in a nutshell, talk me off the ledge on Drake May. I Basically, this person sees him as a bust. It's kind of, you know, but anyways, um, uh, Jeremiah did kind of get into, um, I'm just kind of reading off a, 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 one of his quotes here. So with Drake, it's a little more complex. Um, you look at some of the challenges that he faced. I mentioned earlier some things he does. He has his things he needs to work on, including tightening some things up from a delivery standpoint. But I think the kid is really, really talented. I have seen him play at a high level. I've seen him make big plays in two-minute situations using his legs. Jeremiah also said, I think it's all there. So you might not have seen it consistently. I don't think they're great in front of him in terms of who he's playing with. I'm not going to get on here and trash his teammates. But he has, to me, he has all the ability. You, you haven't seen it all yet. None of us have. There's risk involved. He is not a perfect player. But I think you can fill in the gaps when you have somebody who has the size, who has a live arm, who is a good athlete, who is by all accounts an incredibly bright, great leader. All the intangible stuff is there. All that stuff is there. So, and that's the end of the quote. Now, 
We're going to get into all the Daniel stuff later because I think we're going to go back and forth here because I think they both have some excellent, excellent intangibles and also skills on the field. And some have, one has one thing, one has another, but they both have it and they both are worthy of that discussion for that number two pick, which is why we're going to have that discussion for the next few months. Anyways, that's it on quarterbacks. Now with Ken Norton, we're going to, I'm going to get into it right now with him about five minutes with him talking about again, Jamin Davis. One of the things with Jamin Davis that will be interesting to watch is how they evaluate him as a blitzer because Dallas's linebackers did blitz a decent amount. And when you see Davis blitz, it wasn't a ton. And there were times he had some success with it and times, eh. but the, the other thing that Dallas did with the linebackers is move them around, which he did move around a little bit, but I'm curious how they see it. But I will say that Norton seemed to be pretty high on him. I think a big key for, for Davis will be, who do they have playing next to him? Because when he has a guy next to him, whatever you think about Cody Barton, he didn't. what he could do is help Davis. What he couldn't do is also help himself. Now, he got better as year went on. I think you can, you can clearly upgrade over him, but he did know, he did understand what Davis had to do and could help put him in good position. And that allows Davis to play fast. And one of the things that you heard Joe Witt talk about, Dan Quinn, is the ability to play fast. So if you can get that guy next to him, I think he can unlock another level of play for Jamin Davis. Anyways, here's my conversation with new linebackers coach, Ken Norton Jr. Oh, and by the way, when you listen to it, you're going to hear it uninterrupted because Brian Mitchell comes over to say hello to him. They clearly would have had some battles. And I even joked like the last, you know, they, they kind of had this slow motion collision, which is a lot different than would have had back in the day. Anyway, kind of cool moment. So here's Ken Norton Jr. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm curious, for you, coming here, what's it mean for you to, to be here and be reunited with Dan? Uh, I'm very excited. You know, Dan and I have always had a great relationship. Uh, and for the opportunity to coach with him again is, uh, is exciting for me. What, why, what, what about him? You say, hey, what's happening? <laughs> what's up, brother? How you been? You good? Yeah, good to be in town. Yeah. Under, under more friendly circumstances. <laughs> I, was saying, like, I may have seen that collision back yeah. in the day. Yeah. It looked a little bit quicker. Like I, yeah. said, I said, look, bro, I said, you taking somebody like that, you got to bring your shit. <laughs> yeah, some good times. Cool. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so with, with Dan, what is it about him as a coach that, that, that you liked working with him or for him or whatever? Uh, just, uh, you know, he understands how to create an identity. Uh, he understands uh, how to bring the best out of people, bringing good people together, uh, good really coaching staffs together to really take, you know, a team to another level. What do you look for in linebacking? You played it, you've coached a lot of really good ones. What do you look for? What traits do you look for in a linebacker? Uh, there are a lot of traits. You know, I can't just give you, you know, just a sure. few, but just ones that just pop out as smart. You know, they have to have a really good understanding and command of offense and defense and uh, the ability to communicate that, uh, you know, that that information to himself and to his teammates. 
And then another is being a great teammate, uh, just understanding, you know, uh, the guys around him, bringing the best of the guys around him. And then they got to be really, really good football players. Yes, they got to go there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They have to be really good football players. And when you say football player, that that covers a lot. It does. It does. And, and the few things that just jump, jump out is just speed, size, and purpose. What key, what's the key to developing a linebacker? I think the main key is once you get past all the measurables and all the things that uh, that uh, that you like in a guy, it comes down to how bad a guy wants, how bad he wants it. You know how much he trusts you, and uh, you know, and how uh, you know how how important it is to him. Have you seen the able to watch much of? what you have here, Jamin Davis in particular? Uh, you know, we, we've just got in town, right. so I haven't had a chance to evaluate a lot of the film. Uh, but the, the initial part that I've seen, uh, he's, a, he's a special guy. What, why do you say that? Like, what is it? What, what, what are some of the early impressions, I guess, that would take you there? Well, just that he's, he's big, strong, fast, and tough. I saw that in just a few okay. clips. But I haven't, like I said, I haven't been able to evaluate all of sure. it. Haven't been able to talk to him right. eye to eye like this. Uh, so initially, uh, I like, I really like what I see. What did you learn as a coordinator that can help you as a position coach um, coaching the linebackers here? Well, it just helps, you know, the linebackers being in the middle, you know, they're, they're part of the front and they're part of the coverage. So it really opens up the uh, just the, the football IQ of the linebacker. He has to really make the D-line know, feel that he's a part of them, let the secondary know that he's a part of them, and be able to work and combine the two and make it all work. You know, I can't be too much with the D-lineman and, and, and be so close to the D-line that I open windows for the secondary. So I can't be too close to the secondary to where they're running the ball. So he has a strong balance. Uh, it helps me to help them understand both uh, the front and the coverage, so it allows allows them really good balance. You also won a few rings as a player. How has that helped you as a coach? And like, you know, how does it help you? How does it help you as a well, coach? Well, being able to have a lot of success, and uh, a lot of people don't realize on those successful teams, you also you weren't successful always. You right. you uh, you lost a few games at yeah. first, so you learn from that as well. But you know what, what winning looks like, you know what it smells like, you know what it acts like, and you recognize it. And um, uh, and then when you become a part of it or you want to try to build it, you know the direction to go. And you working with Pete too. And I, what are the similarities between Pete and Dan, you know, and just, what are, the, are there similarities? Well, just, just off, just right off the cuff. They both have great personalities. They both are full of energy. And they both love, they love people. They love bringing really good people together uh, for a common goal and common cause. And uh, those are the, I think those are the strongest things they have, that they have so far. What are you looking forward to most here? I mean, you know, this is your first time in Washington, so I'm curious what you're looking forward to just here. I'm just looking forward to um, just to uh, getting together with these coaches. Uh, figuring out who we are, and then uh, accomplishing something special. Thanks, Ben. Thank Appreciate you. It. 
That's it for this episode. Thanks to Ken Norton for joining me. And thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Talk to you next time.